Welcome to the Before and After Bariatric Surgery Podcast. This is the place where we talk to people who have had weight loss surgery and successfully kept the weight off. We learn what to expect before and after surgery. We uncover the tips and tricks that will make you a success. And now, here's your host, Dan Abeling. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I had originally planned this interview as a look into bariatric surgery in Canada. It's a different and a very interesting process. However, as this interview went on, we find one of the most inspirational weight loss surgery stories out there. Ingrid grew up and lives in the Yukon. If you haven't seen any of the new TV shows about the Yukon, you should know that the Yukon is a territory very northwest Canada next to Alaska. Small provinces of 100 or less people are scattered throughout a very rough landscape. It's cold and it's desolate. Doctors don't live where Ingrid lives. So how do you have bariatric surgery and change your entire life when you live in the Yukon? Ingrid, thank you for being on with us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Dan. I'm, I'm very excited to be talking about you to you about the bariatric surgery that uh, I recently experienced. So my name is Ingrid Isaac Hilgren. I'm from the Wolf Clan of the Kwanlin Dunn and Liard First Nations of Yukon, Canada. I'm 44 years young, and I live in Whitehorse, Yukon, and I'm mom to my only child, Skylar, who is 22. And I think you are our first interview from Canada. So before we get into some of the differences and what you experienced going through the process in Canada, tell us when you first realized that you were struggling with your weight. Well, you know what? It's kind of been with me my whole life. Um, I always remember feeling when I was about eight and nine years old, uh, I always felt bigger than everybody else in my class and, and who were my age. I grew up in a small northern mining town and there was only four girls in my grade and I was like the biggest of them. So I've always been aware that I've been bigger and people, I remember going to family reunions and things and people always making comments about my size. Um, but when it started getting out of control, I think was after the birth of my son. Um, that's when I had developed, well, first of all, I had to have a C-section and I got very ill and it took me a few years to recover. So, you know, when you're not moving with a baby, you're sleeping odd hours and, uh, I had, a put on weight, but also depression had set in at that time. And uh, it went untreated because I didn't know, we didn't know about um, postpartum depression as much as we do now. And after the C-section, because my body had gone under such tremendous uh, trauma, I developed a thyroid disorder, which went untreated for like 10 years. And that was because I lived in a small, rural, northern British Columbia town where we only had... Um, rotating doctor so you'd get a new doctor every two weeks and had to explain your story and I was only 21 22 at the time so all the doctors just told me was that I was just lazy and overweight and I just needed to exercise more and I was like no that's not it there's something else I knew there was something else but I couldn't find a doctor who would listen to me until um, finally I think I was 
close to 30 years old, um, and I met a female doctor, and we started talking, and she's like, wow, I'm here for like two months. I'm going to do some paperwork and blood work on you, and let's figure out what's going on with you. And it was the first time any medical professional had actually listened to me. So I felt supported, and when the the blood work came back that my thyroid um, was really abnormal. It was so low. You know, she's like, how do you stay awake during the day? And told her I don't. You know, like, um, mm. it was just really tough that time. And so I slowly gained more and more weight. And when I was 28 years old, I actually um, contracted chickenpox, which nearly killed me. And oh, wow. Yeah, so I had a skin, developed a skin infection, and um, I had to avoid being in the sun, which put on more weight. And then I had met this guy, and him and I were living a good life, but he was hiding the fact that he was uh, a drug addict. And so that became stressful. And I found myself internalizing all these problems that I had experienced and I didn't know who to talk to you know like when you're younger you just think oh I can do it all I can get through this all and you don't really share a lot and I, I didn't learn to open up to people so as a result I just kept internalizing all these problems and and I didn't even know that I was hurting myself physically mentally and spiritually so yeah yeah that that's the short of the long of it <laughs> Sounds like it's been a tough road for sure. Yeah, it was. What happened when when you did discover that it sounds like you were diagnosed with with hypothyroidism? Yes. That was treated, I take it, with medication or surgery? With medication, uh, which I'm still on it. Which it, I've learned that um, you're. It's never perfect. It never goes perfect your whole life. It's always, there's always adjusting. There's always blood work because um, as we grow older, our hormones change, our life changes, and that affects all of our medication and our bodily organs. So I'm always on top of that now. And once you did get your thyroid treated, how did that affect your weight? Well, because I had, first of all, the type of uh, thyroidism that makes you gain weight. Um, mm -hmm. when my first week of uh, being on the medication, I remember so well because it was the first time in like 10 years that I was able to stay awake during a day. Um, I would go to work at 8.30, come home at lunch and sleep for 45 minutes and, you know, go home after work at 4.30 and sleep till 6. And that first week was amazing. I was awake. I had different types of energy. And as the years went on and I was learning to adjust that, that only got better, but it didn't help me lose the weight because there was things I wasn't doing for myself at the time. You know, um, I wasn't taking care of myself mentally, so it all came out of me physically. Sure. And, I, and that's a pretty common theme that depression and kind of low self-esteem does tie into obesity. Yes. And so <clears throat> how did you get a grip on that? Wow, that's a pretty big question. <laughs> Sometimes I, I don't know if I have a grip on it yet. I have an understanding now. Um, and that helped, going through the Weight Wise program that we'll talk about in a bit, helped me realize what was actually going on with me. 
And once I decided to get honest with myself and start seeing a therapist, did those things just come to my light? And I'd say that was only within the last two years. So I'm st- it's still a work in progress for me. Okay. And during that time after... After the thyroid, you had a little bit more energy after that was treated. Did you try dieting, exercising, or did you go right into this weight-wise program? You know what? Um, I was thinking about that, looking back on it. Um, I'd like to say that I did try dieting and exercising, but I'm going to be real honest with myself and say that I didn't put enough effort into either because I was too embarrassed. I thought I was beyond help. I thought that I couldn't do it, and I didn't know, again, to reach out and look for a program. I was so surrounded by turmoil and trauma, I didn't know how to get myself out of it, and I didn't realize that I could do it on my own with the help of others. You eventually found a program, and we've mentioned it, called WeightWise out in Canada. And tell me about how you found that, how you decided to take action. Um, I have a friend who was also obese at the time, and she was telling me about it. And she said to me, what you have to do is go to your doctor and say you want to be referred to the WeightWise program. And at that point in time, I didn't know much about the program. I just knew I needed help at that point. Um, So I called my doctor. We went in. We did the paperwork. And I found out that the program is offered in the province of Alberta and here in the Yukon. It's a 10-month program for people who are obese and at least – who need to lose at least 100 pounds, and so they need a lifestyle change. At the end of the program, surgery is an option. You don't have to have surgery. It's up to each individual's choice, and the governments cover the cost of the program and the surgery because they've realized that obesity is a disease and how it it has ongoing long-term effects on one's life. So this is a program that is offered in medicine in Canada for uh, U.S. people listening that aren't aware of this is socialized, so everybody has access to care. Right. It sounds like, was that program close to you, or did you actually have to travel and stay away from your home for 10 months? I didn't have to stay away from Whitehorse. What happens is the program is based out of Edmonton, Alberta. And then every month we have weekly, sorry, we have uh, monthly meetings, um, which are about three hours in length. And then you have one month to take what you've learned and practice that until the next meeting. And during the 10-month program, you've got a medical team who keeps track of your weight. You do a weekly check-in and weigh-in. But uh, there's also, because we need to change ourselves mentally, we're also entitled to um, psychologist uh, appointments as well as uh, nutritionists. So during the month in between the meetings, you have these appointments that keep you on track, that help you focus, that give you support that, that obese people really need. And those are local appointments? These are all local appointments. The only time you leave White Horse is if you opt for surgery, and that happens in Edmonton. 
Okay. So everything else is done. Those 10 months, you're basically home. Yes. But doing this program, it sounds like there's maybe some online interaction and some uh, monthly phone call? Yes, correct. Okay. And so tell me ab about the program. How did you change from a mental standpoint, which it sounds like there was a big element of focus on the mental aspect? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I slowly began to realize that these past events, these traumatic events in my life that took place, I wasn't dealing with them correctly. And... And by correctly, I even mean like I, I didn't even acknowledge half of them. You know, like it was like, oh, that, that happened, so I'll just get over that and get up and keep going to work. And I didn't reach out to a psychologist or anything or barely anyone else to talk to. So that was one thing I learned about myself in the program was that it's okay for me to ask for help. It's okay to say I need somebody to talk to. It's okay to say, you know, something really crappy is happening to me and I need to work through it in a good way. Because um, I think back to my um, coping strategies back then, and they weren't really coping strategies. You know, like I go out for a night of drinking with my friends. Well, that doesn't change the fact that something happened. That just delays your dealing with anything. So mm -hmm. I, I learned that I need to turn my way of thinking around, acknowledge that something isn't going right in my life, and, and get clear guidance and help when I need it. Is it difficult for someone in Canada to take advantage of that program? Can anybody in the, the country take advantage of the WaitWise program? You know what? I'm not entirely sure about that. Um, I I would suggest um, if people are interested in the WaitWise program that they first of all do some online research, um, see if it's available, and if there's that search goes nowhere, talk to your doctor and they can look into it because, you know, they might be able to start, if it's not offered in their program, they might be able to begin something in their in their province. Ingrid, how much weight did you lose from the, the WaitWise program? Uh, okay, so that's kind of a two-part question for me. So once you decide that you want to go for surgery, you have to make an effort. You have to prove that you're serious about it. And I think you have to lose it. I can't remember the, the percentage now, but you have to lose so much weight to show your dedication and to prove that you're, you, you're actually applying the principles and what you learn from the program in your own life. So I, first of all, before surgery, I'd lost, I think it's about... 70 or 80 pounds on my own. And then I had surgery of March 2014. And since then, I've lost 113 pounds. So in wow. total, I've lost 187 pounds. Good for you, Ingrid. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. And it is amazing. I can't believe, like, that's how much hurt I was packing around with me, how much sadness and disappointment in myself I was packing around, literally on me. And it was there mm -hmm. for everybody to see. Only I was the only one who didn't see it. So it's it really is, wow, life-changing. You were literally carrying around all that weight. Literally, yeah. Past, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So after the WeightWise program, at what point do you say, I want to 
have gastric bypass surgery, and how long does it take to actually get that scheduled and, and started? Okay. So there's never any pressure from the team for anybody to have surgery. It's all up to your own decision. Um, I had weighed the pros and cons of getting surgery and not getting surgery, and you know, I honestly didn't think I would opt for surgery. But then I started thinking about the world and, and the people around us and, and what happens, you know, like people go in for heart surgery so they can extend their life. People have all kinds of surgeries to make themselves look and feel better. So I sat myself down and I was like, self, really, you're, you're <laughs> giving an option here to save your life. Why wouldn't you consider that more? So I looked into it a little bit more and I consulted with the surgeon of the program who's also one of the creators of the program, Dr. Birch. And uh, we talked about what would be ideal for me because I had to lose at least 100 pounds. Um, and he decided that it was bariatric bypass for me. And I did some research and I thought, okay, that makes sense. Um, I... I want to do this now. Once I had made up my mind to do that, I, was, I felt so good about my decision. And so there is a waiting list. Um, because the program had been offered, I think, a year before my class, there was people from that group who had to be in line for surgery. Plus, there's people in Alberta, you know. So it takes a time to get your call for surgery. Um, and at first, I was kind of feeling a little bit left out, I guess you could say, because all the people that took the class with me, like five of them had all had their surgeries, and I just thought, when is it my turn? When is it my turn, mm -hmm. you know? and I felt How like long is this coming. after the class? Uh, this was about a year. Okay. So I'm still practicing, and you're still working out, and at that point I was going to the gym. So I'm trying to, I wasn't trying to get be anxious about it. I just thought, when my turn comes, it'll be good. And in hindsight, I'm really glad that it took that time, that amount of time to go by before it was my turn for surgery um, because I had maintained my weight loss, I had maintained my goals, my um, lifestyle change, I was still regularly exercising on my own. So it, was, it, it all just worked out really, really well. Tell me about that call where they tell you, okay, we're going to schedule you. How far in advance do they schedule you? And also tell me about your, your feelings when you, got, when you finally got that call. When I finally got that call, I nearly fell off the chair I was sitting on. <laughs> I was so excited. And then, of course, you start thinking about it. And maybe a couple of days later, I started getting scared. Oh, my God, did I make the right choice? Should I cancel it? Like all these doubts came to mind. Um, but I just thought, no, I'm just going to keep going through with my appointments and I'm going to talk this out with my therapist. I'm going to see if this is normal. And thank goodness it, it's all normal thoughts. And um, I, I, I just focused on, I don't care if I look better. I wanted to feel better. And I knew that this surgery would help me feel better. Literally, like, it was hard even to sit at my desk because there's so much weight on your body that it gets uncomfortable. And I just thought... I would like to sit at my desk with ease, you know, and I just kept focusing on the positive of, of that, and that's what got me through everything to the time I got on the plane, to the time I went into the doctor's office. It was, it was such a mixed time of emotions, and um, 
it's amazing. It's it's scary, fun, exciting, scary. <laughs> Do you have to? I mean, it almost sounds, and I've heard stories of the wait lists in Canada for bariatric surgery. It takes a while. Do you need to be ready to go right when they call you? Is this like you're being deployed, you know, overseas in the army? <laughs> no, um, I was fortunate enough. I had about two months' notice. And they they gave you that amount of time in case um, something might have to change. So I had time to talk to my employer. I had time to look at um, uh, my medical leave through my work benefits. I had time to do paperwork. I had time to think about what I needed to take to Edmonton with me. I had time to find a support person to go with me. So they really from the Yukon, when we're traveling from the Yukon, because we're so isolated to get out to Edmonton, it takes a lot of planning. So they try to give us as much advanced notification as possible. Very cool. It's it's a it's an amazing kind of interesting process and program up there. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. What um, you, it doesn't sound like you really have much of a choice in surgeon, but it sounds like you're very happy with Dr. Birch, was it? Yes. Correct. He is so amazing. Uh, I found out that he is one of the leading bariatric surgeons in Canada, and he's well-respected, and he was amazing to work with. After my surgery, I had some complications. Um, I was in While I was in recovery, my heart rate wouldn't come down, and I don't remember how long I went. I think it was about 12 or 18 hours because I was heavily medicated then, um, but he was really gentle with me. He came back to say, you know what, Ingrid, we don't understand why your heart rate won't come down, but we have to go back and you have to have another surgery because we have to find out what's going on. And I just remember looking at him saying, you know, you're a really funny doctor, right? You're just kidding, right? He's like, don't worry, you won't feel a thing um, until you wake up. And he was really, really understanding. Him and his team are, are great. They understand everyone's fears. They understand you don't understand what's going on. They really take the time to explain and work with you. They're, it's amazing. What was going on, out of curiosity? I had a blood clot. So oh. um, I didn't know that blood clots were so stingy and they want to steal everything from you. So that blood clot had time to steal my oxygen, had time to steal um, um, white blood cells, and mm-hmm. really knock it really knocked me down. Normally, uh, you're in the hospital after bariatric surgery for about three to four days, and mm-hmm. I had an extended stay, lucky me, for nine days, and that's because I had to get my oxygen back, I had to get some strength back, I had to get my balance back because I was under anesthesia for quite some time. So that affects your um, oxygen as well, but your memory. So I had uh, quite a few things to recover from. And I remember on my seventh day in the hospital, I just broke down because, you know, in the hospital in a town where you're not from, I only had one support person and she was running back and forth from our hotel to see me every day and she didn't understand what was going on. You know, hospitals aren't friendly. You're not there for rest. Um, Mm -hmm. It was loud. And I just remember I started crying on that one day. I was like, this is, this is so hard. What have I done to myself? But again, I talked it out. 
and recognized that I was just going through a rough patch and I just needed to get through it. So after I allowed myself to have my little state of depression for that one day only, the next day I thought, this is, I got to get myself out of it. You know, it's, it's me I have to rely on. But with the help of my medical team and my support person, I got through it. And Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, blood clots, they're pretty common with any sort of surgery. You're often off your, off your feet for a short time and your blood can coagulate, create a clot, and if that clot moves up towards your heart, it can cause serious problems. Yes. Stroke, heart attack, etc. Yes. Um, and, and that's what happened to you, correct? Yes. Okay. So it was, a, it was a really good thing that they found that and identified it early on and treated it. Yes, it, it was. Um, and they had found my gl- blood clot um, crawling towards my heart. It wasn't too far away, and they they didn't give me too much other other detail than that. You know, they didn't want me to mm-hmm. panic and, and and anything else. But by that sure. point, they had removed it. It had been taken care of. I was on medication and sedated at the same time. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know, when you're on morphine, your mind still works. So. I was still able to realize, comprehend what was going on, and that's why um, I had had that one bad day emotionally. And I think that I'm glad that I had that day. Otherwise, you know, it would have been falling back into my old habits of not talking to anybody. Tell us about after surgery. How has your life changed? Wow, that is such a huge question, too. Uh, recovering from surgery for me because of my blood clot took a little longer than most people. Um, so I was about a month behind on where the normal patient is. Uh, but now things have gotten better. I'm at the point where I'm able to eat a variety of food because one of the antibiotics I was on, um, you can't eat dairy food with it. So that was a little setback for me, so I had to find other ways to get my protein, which was really hard because at the same time I I didn't have the energy to eat because after surgery you're really quite exhausted. And um, I'm back on track now, so I'm eating more protein. Um, At this point in time, my sense of smell has changed. I cannot drive past any of the fast food places like Kentucky Fried Chicken and McDonald's without almost wanting to physically get sick from the smell of the grease. Oh, it, it just hurts my stomach so much. I Isn't only, that interesting? Yeah, yeah. I only eat really good food. Um, so chicken, vegetables, fruit. And now, since this week I'm feeling better and I'm consuming more dairy, I can eat cheese and yogurt now, which is really exciting to me. Um, The other thing I do is drink lots of water and I walk daily. And on top of it all, I read good, positive books and information. And um, it made me thankful. The surgery made me thankful for my life. And I thought I I should prove that. So I started a Bible study 
and um, want to let the creator know that I appreciate his creations of my body and that now I'm taking care of it and myself and my mind. Um, I'm maintaining physical activity. Um, I'm involved in more things. In fact, this weekend we have a road race coming up from Skagway, Alaska to Whitehorse. And because I wanted to be around more people who are physically active, I have an opportunity to be a support person for one of the road relay teams. And I'm really excited about that. This is my first time ever being involved in anything athletic, like with a team. So, you know, the surgery has changed my entire, my entire life, my entire being, my entire soul. Wow. I, you know, just on our initial kind of pre-interview emailing and talking, I, I really didn't get a sense for the drastic change that you've gone through from really kind of having a, a very tough life and going through some issues that would affect anybody to a 180-degree turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it starts with that mental change that led up to surgery and then the continued health and taking care of yourself and everything in your life, it sounds like, with that new attitude and, and feeling of healthiness and life has really made a difference. It absolutely has, Dan. Absolutely. I never thought that I would ever feel this good about myself or about my life, ever, ever, you know. I was always a little bit of an Eeyore, used to think, you know, sad thoughts and just let those past experiences just override my, my being. And now I know that I'm not the only one who carries things like that. I've just found a way for me to manage them and cope with them and accept them. What would you tell someone that is considering weight loss surgery? I would say, first of all, I really make sure you're mentally ready. People don't realize that, you know, before surgery, there's a two-week uh, period where you have to go on a liquid diet. You learn about a lot about yourself in those two weeks. When you can't eat and you're trying to do something positive and maintain a good attitude and keep your physical strength up and, while maintaining um, everything, that's a really difficult time. And even at that point in time, I had come a long ways, but I had no idea how being on a liquid diet would mentally change me. Now, after that I've done it, I felt so stronger about myself, and I just thought, look what you can do, Ingrid. You can do this. And if I can help somebody who's on the same road, I would love to help them. So that's my first piece of advice. The second piece of advice is I would say, don't just do it because you need to do it. Do it because you want to do it. And there's a difference. Um, if you just go in and having it done because you want to lose weight, you won't have much success, I don't think, until you mentally make those changes. And I think I can say that confidently because everyone else in my group that I saw 
everyone became mentally ready and we had the time to absorb that this is what's going to happen. And from the group um, on Facebook, the gastric bypass group where you and I had met, um, it sounds like uh, in the States you have to do a bit of a different process. It sounds like um, some people have to find the surgeon on their own and then they kind of learn step by step what needs to be done. And I'm not sure that's the most healthy way. And I think I just really lucked out in, in finding the Weight Wise program. But I was thinking about myself and trying to relate to to some of the process that I seen on Facebook. And I think that that would be really difficult to motivate yourself, um, finding a surgeon, keeping up your daily life, keeping up your daily loss. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just think that there's such a big difference. It's- because in the States, it seems like uh, a lot of it is more about money. Let's get patients in so our businesses can make money. Whereas I was fortunate enough to be in part of a program where they actually care about saving our lives. Mm-hmm. I will say it is definitely a business to some extent in the States. But I will say there are a lot of very dedicated, caring physicians out there. Yeah, there has to be, that, right? Yeah. That do a great job. Yeah. yeah. And, and they do offer a ton of support. They offer dietitians. They offer follow-up support appointments for life and support groups and all that stuff. That's good. But at the same moment, it is up to the patient to take advantage of those. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I tend to agree with you. And I think your advice for someone considering weight loss surgery is spot on. Yeah. And, you know, I would just also like to encourage anyone considering surgery to talk to talk about all aspects of your life because it's amazing how much everything changes after surgery. Like there's ways I can't even think of at the moment that just every day there's something new that I was like, oh, was I prepared for that? Thinking back and going back and looking at my notes going, oh, we did learn about that. You know, we did discuss about that. Um and so I'm really glad that we I took that 10 months of my life to better myself. So I, I just hope that everyone out there is able to do the same thing. You know, if someone like you, Ingrid, growing up in the Yukon, a pretty isolated place, can make the drastic changes that you've made, sought help, utilized the resources out there, and truly changed almost every aspect of your life, can do it, then I think anyone can do this. <laughs> Thank you. It can be successful. Absolutely. So, I have to um, echo that thought. I'm, uh, you know, the good thing about being obese is that we're no longer the minority. We have a big support group out there, and we all understand what it's like to be weighed down by our own selves. You know, so don't forget to reach out, and don't forget that you're not alone. Ingrid, thank you so much for being here today. This interview, I know, ran a little bit long, but it is packed full of great information and really just a very inspiring story. So thank you for sharing it with our listeners. Thank you, Dan. And I guess I should have told you before I can be a bit of a chatty person. (laughs) No, not at all. I I kept asking you questions. So, again, uh, I appreciate it. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on uh, as a follow-up in a year or so. Sure, that sounds great. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to the Before and After Bariatric Surgery Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or Stitcher Radio. 
As always, check out the before and after photos from today's interview on obesitycoverage.com. If you'd like to be interviewed for an upcoming podcast, email us at info at obesitycoverage.com. Remember, it's never too late to get healthy 